0: Amen. And again, good morning. Uh, Our scripture passage today comes from the 20th chapter of John. I'll be focusing on verses 24 to 31, but I'll pick up uh, at verse 19 to give a little bit of context for today's story. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced uh, when they saw the lord and Now, to our focal text for today in verse twenty four But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, "We have seen the Lord." but he said to them, "Unless I see the, the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark." of the nails in his side. I I will not believe. Uh, A week later, the disciples again were in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And again, good morning. I hope you are staying healthy and uh, relatively happy and connected in some some way. <laughs> and if you're now homeschooling children or grandchildren, I hope you are hanging in there. It can be challenging. Amen, uh, Reverend Straub. A <clears throat> little boy uh, was working on uh, a math lesson uh, talking about uh, sizes and shapes and those kinds of things, and his mom asked, what kind of shape is the world? And he paused for a moment, and he said, I'm not sure, but, but Dad says it's in the worst shape ever. Uh, so perhaps you can identify with that feeling. And yet one of the strong messages of Easter is that uh, we have hope. We are inspired by the witness of Scripture and the responses of God's people who have helped the resurrection reality live on. Even in the face of tremendous odds and hopeless situations, uh, we continue to rise up and believe and respond as God's people. And these strange times have also provided, I think, more opportunities for meaningful theological conversations and reflection than usual. One of my colleagues said that he has had more serious interactions in the past few months than he's had in the past years. A college student who came, early, uh, came home early from school called him and she confessed, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really mixed up. I, I think I've lost my faith. And to her surprise he said, That's good. And she said, No, I think you misunderstood me. I I, I have learned things at school that have taken away my faith and, and then there's this whole pandemic thing. Oh god ah. And he replied and I said, That's good. If your faith can be lost that easily, it's not the faith you need. And he said, now you can begin to replace it with real faith, the kind of faith that will remain in the midst of the hard questions of life. During this Easter season, we will continue to uh, examine stories from the Gospel of John and look for signs of the resurrection, signs of new life. We will consider difficult questions and challenges, and particularly in the midst of the despair and death and the stories that bombard us every day. It's vitally important for all of us to to identify signs of life and hope and new birth uh, and to embrace our faith in new and challenging ways. Today we will think about Thomas. He is someone who struggles with his faith. His friends are quarantined, and they're keeping the number at 10, just like we are here this morning. But Thomas... Misses the first resurrection party with Jesus. Don't know where he was, don't have the answers to all of that, but of course, when he rejoins the group, the group's excited about the great news. Can't wait to tell him what happened, but he doesn't buy it. And we think, Thomas, what in the world is wrong with you? And, and most of us immediately attach an adjective to his name. But we and the disciples and Thomas, I believe, have a lot in common. Wouldn't it be safe to say that all of the disciples doubted at one time or another somewhere along the way? And there will be and have been times when we do not get direct, without the shadow of a doubt, confirmation about issues with which we're dealing, right? But doubt... For people of faith does not have to be a bad word. Healthy doubt can become the catalyst for spiritual growth. You know, we we give Thomas a hard time because of his hesitation. But isn't there a fine line between doubt and faith? Between hesitation and embracing what God offers? Don't we wrestle with questions about how God operates in this world? Don't we wonder about some of the stories that, that we hear? A prominent Virginia bishop passed away from the coronavirus. You may have seen the story. Despite authorities urging people to practice social distancing, he he decided to hold an in-person service on March 22nd, about a month ago. He said, he said to his congregation, I, I firmly believe, <clears throat> I firmly believe that God is greater than this virus. And he vowed to keep preaching until he was in jail or in the hospital. Did the bishop die because of a lack of faith? Or what about the, uh, the televangelist who likes to collect private jets? Have you seen him? On the news lately, I I saw a video clip of him preaching last week. He was violating all of the coronavirus rules and regulations. Basically, he he looked at the camera and spit at it. He spit at the camera and he said something like this, Be gone, coronavirus, in the name of Jesus, be gone. Last time I checked, the virus is still with us. Is that due to the doubters? Or what about, what about folks in our own church family? I, you know, you know, we deal with this all the time. Someone had cancer, had surgery, was sent home. Doctors said six weeks, maybe, maybe six months at the most, but she and her family and her friends and this church family kept praying and her name was sent to thousands of people Others, via social media, six months later, she returned to the doctor, no cancer. And the surgeon said, sometimes this happens. Some patients experience spontaneous remission. We do not know why. But the woman was convinced about the reason for her healing. Was it because of faith? And, and if so, why her and, and not the many others who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed just, just as hard? And so we live, we, we live with doubt and, and we live with faith, and we stand in this tradition of Thomas recognizing that doubts can be a helpful part of our faith process and journey. And a respected theologian said once, if you don't have doubts, you're either kidding yourself or asleep. Doubts keep faith growing. But that's not all there is to say about doubt, I think, because sometimes our doubt can produce serious pain in our lives. At, at times, our most serious doubts are not because of the action of God, but because of the apparent inaction of God. Those moments when we you know, when God is less than we wish God would be. The times when we, when we cry out and there seems to be no response. You know, most of us, most of us do not want to move mountains with our faith. You know, we merely want to keep going. We merely want to hang on to, to some hope. And so we probably can identify with the longings of Thomas. We believe God, we need help with our unbelief. And we cannot help but think of the global pandemic right now. We, we've we already had millions of cases, thousands and thousands of deaths. There, There is no end in sight. We hope for weeks. Now we hope for months. We realize it could be years. Even Germany, which has been on top of this thing since the beginning, has already canceled Oktoberfest for next fall. I mean, that's a a serious decision, right? Wow. And many parts of the planet have yet to hit their peak. And so I appreciate the perspective of one person who encourages us to live out our faith and not wait around for explanations He says the coronavirus-induced limitations on life arrived at the same time as Lent, the season of doing without. But Lent 2020 had no fixed Easter to look forward to, and so we had a fast without the promise of a feast. And there are some who tell us why God is doing all this. They say it's some kind of punishment or, or warning But maybe the biblical tradition we need to turn to as God's people is lament. Lament is what happens when people ask why. Lament is when we do not get an answer to our questions. It's where we get when we move beyond our self-centered worry about our failings and look at the immense suffering of the world. In the Bible, God also laments, and the Spirit groans, and Jesus weeps. It is no part of the Christian vocation to be able to explain completely what is happening and all the reasons why. But, but it is part of the Christian vocation not to be able to explain and instead to lament As the Spirit laments within us, we become small shrines where the the presence and healing love of God can dwell, and out of that can emerge new possibilities, new acts of kindness, new scientific understanding, and and, and new hope. And and so so we live with doubt, and, and we live out our faith. Do you remember how the, the story of Thomas ends? Jesus says, blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. And that's you. That's you. That's us. That's us. Jesus is calling us blessed when we have the courage and the confidence and trust to put our lives in God's hands. We will have doubts and we will have some measure of faith, but how... Will we choose to use what we have? Will we let our doubts overwhelm us or will we use the faith that we have to bring love into the world? You know, right now there are just, you know, there's just an abundance of stories that inspire us. Some that make the headlines and many more that do not. Stanley Berry, who is a a doctor in Detroit, was planning to retire soon but physicians were needed to treat COVID-19 patients and not with compensation, but as volunteers. And he said, my friends discouraged me not to do this. I'm 66 years old. They said, just retire. (laughs) And he said, you know, I didn't take this decision lightly. This could be the last thing I do on earth, especially if I get placed in the ER. But he said something amazing. He said, the bravest people I have known in my lifetime knew they were going to die and they went ahead and helped anyway. A woman said, though uncertainty abounds, I can find hope too. I don't think God caused the virus, but I see God's work everywhere in so many different people and places in every person who makes the decision to love their neighbor as themselves, in every person who's staying home even though it's not convenient, in all the healthcare workers who are putting themselves at risk on the front lines, in every grocery store worker, the proof of the holy is shining through in so many people and in so many places. A couple of weeks ago on Easter Eve, the phone rang in my office. I was working on my Easter sermon, and so I almost did not answer the phone. <clears throat> but I thought somebody went through the trouble of getting through the whole system to get to my office. It could be an emergency, so I better do. <clears throat> so I answered the phone, and a man posed this question, are you the governor's pastor Uh, my first impulse was to hang up. We've been getting a lot of calls lately, I confess. My first impulse was to hang up. My next impulse was to say, uh, let me give you Dr. Lowe's number. Oh <laughs> uh, almost did. But I simply said to the man, yes, I am, and I said it proudly. And I said, you know, what can I do for you? The man was a member of one of the few churches in Kentucky that was planning to have Easter services in person. And, and he was polite, and he was respectful, and he said he just had a few questions. And he asked me, why do you think the governor is afraid to have services? And then he began to quote a whole bunch of scripture passages from Exodus and Deuteronomy and on. And I thought, I'm not going to. But I, I told him after he unloaded that list, I, you know, I said, I don't think fear is the governor's motivation. I mentioned a text that I memorized as a child in the King James Version way back when I was. Uh, itty-bitty from Second Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Mm. And I said that the governor's decision was grounded in love. And I said that in his mind, which I think is pretty sound, you know, based on the data that he has seen, this is the best way to show our love for God and our neighbor's. And, and the man talked some more and, and then he mentioned that he you know he works with recovery groups at his church and 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 he talked about the thousands of people in Kentucky who need help with, with issues like that. And I you know, I agreed and boy, I jumped at the opportunity to tell him how many support groups we have meeting here at our church, and we found some common ground. We found some common ground. And, and I thanked him for his ministry, and I said, man, man keep it up, keep it up. And I, I said, hopefully all of our churches will find more ways to help more people in Kentucky now and after the pandemic has passed. And he said, amen. He said, amen, and he said, God bless you. And, and we parted Peacefully. And so we live with doubt and and we live with fear and we live with love and we live out our faith and blessed, blessed are you, blessed are you who have not seen, but who have found a way to believe.